Good morning, everyone. I hope that you can hear me well. We had one minor glitch, but um, if we do, we have, um, we already know how we're going to adjust. But listen, listen, I'm glad that you're here. I know that many of you are en route because this is your morning time on your way to work, and I'm praying for travel and mercies and travel and grace. There's some of you who are out of town. There's some of you who are calling in from out, of, out the city of Memphis, out the state of Tennessee, and I'm appreciative for your, your time and your presence here. I don't take that lightly. Um, we do have uh, one of our truest friends who is uh, a family member who is in Canada um, at home, and so, you know, she, she's calling in as well. So we're grateful. I'm grateful for you all being here. I'm thankful that you uh, decided to partner with me and just kind of tag along with me for these uh, five days of this series, um, uh, Becoming a Giant, I mean, Becoming a Champion. And on yesterday, we had a chance to talk about uh, the power of preseason, the things that you do before God even calls you, your whatever that assignment is. You, and there's, there's significance, there's power in what you're doing now because your now is connected to your next. And many times we try to wait until we get to our next before we start preparing. But the truth of the matter is what you do right now, what you do in this season will impact what happens in your next season. And, of course, I've told you that we're looking at two people. We're looking at Elijah and we're looking at Elisha. And now we're spending a little more time looking at Elisha, although we started with Elijah. You don't have to worry about that. Um, if this is your first time, what I want to encourage you is this. Uh, at the end of this particular series, uh, I will be uploading each of these audio sermons, audio lessons or devotionals to my website so that you can go back and you can uh, re-listen and um, just commit yourself, even if you want to do it for another five days. And so uh, my challenge and encouragement to uh, each of you is um, to do just that. It will be made available to you. But I told you and I told everyone, it, you have to put something in if you want to get something out. And so I've provided a syllabus for everyone, and you can email me at Isaac um, at Hope Church Memphis or any of my other email addresses. And if you need a syllabus, I can provide the syllabus for you. Um, you all know the passages that we're going to read the day before, the night before, so you can read it. You can ask God to speak to you. Um, and if any of you have fasted or you or you or you thought about it, that's always good. Whenever we're doing this devotional, if you want to fast while we're doing the devotional, uh, do that. It is my encouragement that you're not just arriving just to hear uh, a good message or just to hear something. But I know if any of you are arriving at 545, it's because you're expecting something, and that says a whole lot. And so I want us to make sure that throughout the day that you're listening to God and then you're uh, allowing this message to infiltrate your heart, uh, your spirit, and you try to apply it as much as possible. And so let me pray for you as we go into this morning's message on shadow, uh, shadow calling. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for uh, this morning. I thank you for every person who is on this line. I thank you for the families they represent. Lord, I am praying right now that you touch you touch those who need to be touched, that you breathe on us, God, that you give us life, that you renew us where we need to be renewed. Lord, there are areas in our lives that we're not living up to our potential. And, Lord, the very first thing we need is to learn how to be honest with ourselves. 
But, Lord, even in being honest, Lord, we need help to follow through. There are some things that you've called us to do, Lord, that we have not um, executed, we've not operated in. And for many reasons, Lord, um, it's because of fear. It's because of fear of the unknown, fear of failure, and fear of just actually having to be accountable. But, God, today we break those strongholds. Lord, right now I am praying that every person under the sound of my voice, Lord, that you speak to them, that you encourage them, and that you remind them they have everything it takes to be exactly who you called them to be. So, Lord, breathe on us today. Speak to us today. Give us what we need, God, so that we can become those people that you've designed us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, um... I call your attention to uh, 2 Kings chapter 2. Um, you don't have to read this if you're driving. Just listen. Um, yesterday, uh, we, we came from 1 Kings chapter 19. And on yesterday, um, in dealing with that preseason, I talked about how uh, Elijah had to go and find uh, this man by the name of Elisha, according to, to God, and when he found him, he found Elisha plowing the field. And I told you that Elisha was what I call a champion in training. He was a champion in training, and we looked at the habits that he was exuding because to be in the field plowing, he wasn't, he wasn't doing that with the attitude of saying, how long do I need to be in this role? How long do I need to be doing this before God promotes me? And I told you, I told each of you, if you plow faithfully, God will promote you. But the thing about a champion, a champion is not preoccupied with being promoted. A champion knows that he or she must submit themselves, submit their lives to the process. And what we have to do as champions and champions in training, we have to understand that we leave the results to God. And we should be responsible and accountable for what we have control of. And that's just being faithful and plowing the field. And my challenge to you is whatever God is challenging you, just plow the field. Don't worry about how long. Don't worry about the results. Leave the results up to God because that's exactly what Elisha did. Elisha left the results up to God because he knew that it was nothing. He can, All he had to do was just plow faithfully and then eventually when God sees the time and sees that it's fit, God will shift you. He will transition you. He will elevate you. And then I told you one of the significant things that stood out yesterday was the fact that through it all, the Bible says that Elisha became Elijah's assistant. But when I had researched that word assistant, I told you yesterday that it literally says to do menial work. And when I look, when you look up the word menial, you can find, you know, synonyms like humble, you know, like degrading, demeaning, just, you know, doing this or doing that. All these things that perhaps I would believe have nothing to do with being a prophet. He has this prophet to come and throw a cloak over him, and then he and he runs just to be um, a, a, a supporter to the prophet. And now he's doing menial work. So he's leaving and he, is, he has decided to leave his family, his friends, his loved ones, because when it comes to being a champion, 
You have to be willing to sever ties with certain people who aren't connected to your purpose, to your destiny. And so he makes a decision and he decides to follow Elijah to do menial work. I know I keep using that word because I'm because the thing that I, I we run into is that we want to be in the front. We want to do what we want to be in the limelight. We don't want to be stuck with just picking up the trash or carrying luggage. We want to do the things that seemingly are significant because it makes us feel like we're more and we're better and we're accomplished. But for a season of Elisha's life, he left and he followed Elijah just doing menial work, serving, you know, Elisha, doing all the things that nobody else wants to do. And so that's the last time we truly hear from Elisha in First Kings chapter 19, and we don't hear from Elisha again until Second Kings chapter 2, some seven, eight years later. Seven, eight years later is when he's actually be, finally being promoted. But I want you to engage me for a moment as we talk about shadow calling and what that actually means. Follow me. It says, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in the whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling uh, from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. The group of prophets, that's what I would tell you, everybody repeat, group of prophets, because that's significant, from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went together to Jericho. Then the group of prophets again, the group of prophets is significant. From Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together, 50 men from the group of prophets. It was at least, at least 50 of these men, 50 of these prophets, at a minimum. It was 50 men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Now watch this. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck it with the water. Then the river divided and the two of them went across on dry ground. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Elisha replied, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elisha, Elijah replied. If you see me when I'm taken up from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. And when you continue to read, you will understand that when, he was when Elijah was taken up, Elisha actually saw it. So he became, he became so excited. 
He became so excited, and then after Elisha, Elijah was taking up, the cloak fell on the ground, and the Bible says that Elisha picked it up, and then he hit the ground, and then he screamed out to God, where is the God of Elijah? And then the rivers parted, and he walked over. For eight years, Elijah, Elisha followed Elijah doing menial work. But at some point in time, he had to make a life decision. Should he pursue something more, or should he just blend in with the rest of the, of the prophets around him? Because to be Elijah's successor meant he would be immediately responsible for cultivating and training the 50 prophets that were following them. Elisha knew that if he had remained in the position he was in, serving in the capacity he was serving, it would eventually become his shadow calling, not his destiny assignment. See, Elisha knew that at some, at some time in your life, you have to take the risk of becoming the champion that God has uh, called you to be. See, he knew there was no real risk in being in the background serving in a shadow capacity. Because see, see, serving as the supporter of the prophet and doing menial work, it really it was a secure job, but yet it wasn't risky. And he knew if he just stayed in that support capacity or if he just blended to the background, it was really no real risk. He knew that the support capacity which God had positioned him for seven to eight years, it was actually expiring. See, the truth is, everyone, get this. You can't be a champion in training forever. At some point in your life, you must face the fears and step out on faith and do the very thing you've been avoiding trying to do. Because, one, God didn't call you to live in someone else's shadow. God didn't call you to be a carbon copy of someone else. God has uniquely designed you with a distinct purpose in mind. A shadow calling is a false expression of who you really are. Because, see, a shadow calling, it looks like your destiny. It feels like your destiny. It sounds like your destiny, but it is not your destiny assignment. A shadow career, or we can talk, a shadow calling or a shadow career is what you're doing to avoid doing what God has already called you to do. Imagine a young boy who chose to, to pursue a career in basketball. Think about this. Think about that young boy who, who chose to pursue basketball as a career because he's 6'7", and everybody told him, you need to be a basketball player because you're 6'7", you're tall, and so he pursued being a basketball player, although in his heart he wanted to be an artist. This happens. Or the person who chose to be a nurse because there was job security in it when, in fact, their heart was to be an author or an entrepreneur. What about the person who is an attorney but who's supposed to be a pastor? But the reason why he's an attorney is because there's job security. There's, there, there's some, you, you know that if I'm an attorney, I can make money, I can make a certain living, but if I'm a pastor, you know, being a pastor, I may not be able to provide for my family. Just think about the people who choose careers because there is financial security rather than this is my calling. When we go to college, think about it. We're groomed to pursue degrees that provide certain financial benefits. We're not taught to go to school to pursue a degree which we won't be able to find a job just because this is your calling. We're told to pursue career fields uh, because the risk is lower. 
You know that when you graduate, you won't have to worry about being unemployed. We're told to go to school and pursue careers because we know that we could be financially wealthy or perhaps we can be happy. And so we get a lot of people, even myself, who are told to go to school and pursue this. I look in the, in the newspaper, I looked online, and it said that if you pursue this particular degree, then you know when you graduate, you'll be able to be in this particular tax bracket. I'm saying that many of us have pursued callings, we've pursued careers for the wrong reason. But just follow me, follow me. We're not taught to take the route that could be risky or the route that is uncertain or the route that will require you to trust God for every meal. No, that's not popular. But when we look at this text, Elijah teaches us that you have to create your own destiny. The Bible says that Elijah looked to him and said, what can I do for you? And he says, I want a double share of your spirit. I want to become your successor. Elisha asked to be his successor, which means to me that, that what God called him to do was an option, not a mandate. God is not going to force you to walk in your calling. It was an option, not a mandate. Destiny is not something that, is, that you get handed to you. Destiny is something that you must actively pursue every day of your life. Elisha asked to be his successor. He asked this, which meant that, that being the lead prophet was never something that was promised to him. See, he knew he was called to support a prophet, but he didn't know that God was grooming him to be the leader of prophets. You have no idea what God has been grooming you for. See, the truth of the matter is this is what Elisha teaches us. You can be in the right profession but stuck on the wrong level. Because he, here he is, he's, he's supporting a prophet, he's in the right profession, and he could have stayed at that level. Because there's no risk in just supporting a prophet. But if you mean that I actually got to be the leader of prophets and all these prophets, I got to be responsible for cultivating them and leading them, that requires every skill, every bone in my body to work in unity. And I'm saying that many of us, we're in the right profession, but we may be at the wrong level. Your shadow career stands in direct opposition with your destiny assignment. What do you mean? A shadow career will provide you certainty, but it will never provide you true fulfillment. See, a shadow career can pay the bills, but it will never fill the void. See, your destiny assignment requires you to walk in an element of uncertainty. Walking in your destiny is terrifying. Contrary to popular belief, I know you hear me and other preachers and people talking about destiny, this, destiny, that, but the truth of the matter is it's terrifying. It's terrifying to step out on faith. It's painful. Why else do you think if you keep reading this text and he wraps up his cloak after Elijah's gone and he hits the water and he screams out, he bewails to God, where is the God of Elijah? He was terrified. He thought that once the cloak fell and he put the cloak in his hands, that everything was going to change, but it didn't because walking in your destiny is scary. A shadow career is when you let your life be defined by your fear. See, fear will have you settling and working in a support capacity for someone who is doing what you're called to do because you're afraid to risk becoming that very thing yourself. I'll let you read that and get that or listen to that again when you, when you hear the audio. But see, a shadow career calls us to, to come into the room of comfort and it lulls our senses to sleep. But our destiny assignment, 
It beckons us out into the unknown. For a long time in my life, I knew I was a pastor. I knew I was supposed to be a pastor, but I didn't want to accept it. But what did I do? I settled for a position as a minister on staff. I looked for any position that was close enough to being the pastor, but just not the, the pastor. I accepted anything but being the pastor. Even now, though, I'm grateful. I can allow my, but if, I, but if I'm not careful, I can allow my current position as the singles pastor to become my, my, my shadow calling. Because when you overstay in an assignment past its expiration date, you run the risk of making it your shadow calling. Are you trapped in a shadow career? That's my question to you. Are you trapped in a shadow calling? Is there part of you that is not living? What part of your life is not actually flourishing? It's not living. You're suppressing it. Is there part of you who is trapped in the comfort of predictability? You get up and you do your nine to five. You get up and you do your routine because it's comfortable. You know what's going to come. But the truth of the matter is I tell you all the time, I'm talking to you right now on this conference line. Why? Because I had to step out on faith. I didn't know what I was going to eat. I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. I questioned God. I was terrified. I was depressed. But when I was depressed and when I was going through those crises, God was shifting me from an amateur to a champion. But there's still elements of my life that still is in amateur mode that I got to bring into champion status. When we look at Elisha, he was in a support capacity for seven years. He could have remained in that capacity, but he knew when it comes to your destiny assignment, close enough is still too far away. Are you in the right profession but stuck at the wrong level? That's what I leave you with. What's your shadow calling? And when are you going to stop being an amateur and risk walking out into your destiny? This is my challenge to you. Don't just hear what I'm saying and then just, just go on with your day. I'm taking my time out because I need to push you and I need to challenge you to step out of your shadow calling and begin to walk in your destiny assignment. May God bless you. May God keep you. And I'll talk to you tomorrow when I ask you the question or when I make the statement, it's time for you to step out of your nest. Get out of your nest. You all have a wonderful day. Again, at the end of this series, I'll upload all these messages onto my website. I'll talk to you tomorrow.